Welcome to the Small Blower Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who recommended these slippers to me. Um, and man, Brandon, I am liking these slippers. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Look, I, uh, I'd like to thank my mother for this because she got me on Slipper Gang. And now the, the new house, Trevor, we got a lot of hardwood floors. Um, and because of these floors, it gets a little cold. You know, your feet hurt from walking on it all day. So Slipper Gang till, till I die. Uh, I, I, am an adamant slipper wearer and I, I'm glad I got you on, on it. Um, and, and hopefully your feet are more comfortable. Um, of course the third member of our podcast, this is a man who has, uh, no slipper ability at all. Uh, cause I don't think his feet would fit in any slippers. That is of course, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you? <laughs> Wait, can you, can you say slipper gang again? I've never heard somebody say that before. No, but do you want me to expand for the viewers why your feet just won't fit in any slippers? No, no, I don't think that's, I don't think All that's right, necessary. All right, that might not I'm be more, appropriate for this I'm, podcast. <laughs> I'm more fixed on you calling it slipper gang. Like, is that a flex? I wouldn't, I feel like that's not that, that's not the I flex mean, I mean, Ben, do you own a pair of slippers? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I mean, no, Brandon, you live to me. I, I, you know, I hate wearing shoes. I, if I could go barefoot all the time, I would. I, I would too, Benny. I would too. But see, here's the thing, you know? Hardwood floors are are rough on the feet. You got you got to have something on the foot. Trevor knows what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, he does. My, my feet have been freezing, and now they're they're no longer freezing. So so definitely what, happy. What kind that. of slippers are they? Are these like are these like old lady slippers? Like what like my grandma they're, wears? They're, what are they? They're Dickies, the brand Dickies. Um, you know that makes like work pants and stuff like that. They yeah. look and, like a clog, kind of. They're nice, but like mine are. I don't know. They're like this brown color, and they have like this white fur. Oh uh, yeah, they're nice. I mean, I don't I, know. I I've seen these. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would never wear these. I'm just gonna be honest. I got this like <laughs> a. Bla- oh, see, but Ben, you don't even know. You don't know till you try. Because I said the same thing, and then my mom put me on. She's like, "No, you gotta get some slippers." And I was like, "No." And she's like, "Do it." And I'm like, "All right, fine." And I did do, it. Do you, they were like thirty bucks. Yeah, it's like do you walking wear around these in, in public. Cloud. No, you don't wear no, these in no, public, around the house. No, no, no. This is an in-house okay. thing, only in the I house. I would never wear these in public. There's yeah, no, 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 it's not a public thing. And also, Ben, I, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this. I we shouldn't mention what me and you did freshman year of college. Uh, well, that's what I was about to say. I was like, just get some moccasins. That's, I mean, that's the move. Yeah. So for the viewers Probably at home, Ben and I, freshman year of college, uh, before the days of knowing Trevor, Ben and I went to Walmart and we bought. Uh, we bought probably $10 moccasins that maybe had about three cents worth of material on them. Um, they were some of the worst, worst shoes I've ever had, like all time, but I loved them. And Ben, I know you loved them too. We wore them everywhere. We wore them in the dorm. We wore them to dining halls. We wore them everywhere. And those shoes sucked. They hurt my feet. They were awesome. You're crazy, dude. It was like walking on a cloud. They were awesome. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I didn't know what walking on a cloud was like until I got the slippers that I'm wearing now. Um, but uh, yeah, I love those moccasins. But I, look, gentlemen, we, we've had three minutes of, of slipper talk. That's that's too much <laughs> slipper talk, if you ask me, because uh, we got a whole podcast to get to here. Um, and last week, as everyone knows, um, was one of my favorite days of the year. Um, and I just realized, Trevor, on the uh, schedule. And I'm saying this is gonna, this is gonna be in the podcast. It's perfectly fine with me. We we forgot to to, to mention. We got to talk about Lamar Jackson. He got a little deal. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So so I'll talk about that in a second. Here we do got to talk about the draft as well. Should, should I talk about that now or should we do the draft first? Do we not talk about Lamar? No, it happened. It well, happened. We haven't had a podcast since he signed. It happened on draft day, didn't, the first day, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So this. Oh, is, you're right. That feels this like is our most recent though. podcast. Right. Since it does feel happened. like a while ago. Okay. It feels way longer, but <clears throat> this is. This would be the first time to talk about it. Should I talk about it now? Because I have thoughts. I could talk. 
Um, yeah, let's talk about it now. Let's do it. All right. So, so obviously, everyone saw Lamar Jackson signed a five-year deal extension with the Ravens, $260 million, 52 average per year. It's reported $185 million in total guarantees. Um, it hasn't been released yet because he doesn't have an agent, and the agents normally leak the deals um, because they want people to know. Um, so Lamar isn't going to leak it, um, and the Ravens are definitely not going to leak it. So we have not seen the full deals. We probably won't see those for like another month or so. Um, but that's the reported deals, $250 million, um, or $260 million over five years, 185 guaranteed. I have been on this podcast, and I talked about I was like, look, maybe it's time to, to set Lamar free. Maybe it's time. And I, I, I got to talk about this because I've had so many people coming at me, and they're like, you said you wanted them to trade him. I did say that. And let me explain what I meant by that. I meant I wanted them to trade him for what it was reported he was asking for. It was reported he want a fully guaranteed deal that was $260 million fully guaranteed. That is a ridiculous deal. Under a normal circumstance deal like the one he got, I'm all for and I'm happy he did it. I love Lamar. I wanted him to stay and I'm happy he's there. If you guys saw me on social media uh, that Thursday before the draft, I was celebrating. I was having the greatest time. It was draft day and they re-signed Lamar Jackson. I was just, I was in heaven over there. And I think overall, the Ravens ended up getting a pretty good deal. And it seemed like they compromised, both sides compromised on something. Lamar ends up being the highest paid player in NFL history in terms of per year money. And the Ravens didn't have to fork up $250 million in fully guarantees. If 185 is the total guarantees, that is less than Kyler Murray and significantly less, $65 million less um, than, um, or excuse me, $55 million less than um, Deshaun Watson, which would be an enormous win in my book. Um, And I think this is just a... (laughs) This is really funny because Browns fans for the last year have just been like, oh, look, we... You know, now the Ravens are going to have to give him the full guarantee contract because, look, we did it. And now he's going to be like, look, Watson got it. So they they thought they were going to be like... uh, They they felt some sort of uh, pride in that they screwed over the Ravens. But now the joke's on them, Ben. And see, Ben, I I, I want to talk to you about this because somehow the Browns are always the butt of the joke. And today they are the butt of the joke as well with this deal, uh, which I think is absolutely hilarious that they're now the only team doing what that, the, the fully guaranteed strategy. Don't you think that's pretty funny, Ben? I mean, yeah, it's it, it's crazy. Like, believe it or not, guaranteeing your quarterback $230 million is not the smartest thing you could do. But it's it, 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 Browns, I mean, the... The Browns have always done like stupid things and like you're going to have diehard Browns fans that think that they're like they're like, you know, trailblazers for something. And it's really just like, no, you're stupid. and Everyone else isn't going to isn't going to be as stupid as you. Um, so, I mean, no, the Browns fans being being ignorant is not surprising to me. I, I think that is that is well stated both on this podcast and obviously in then um, if you just have common sense on Twitter, you see that as well. So, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, yes. and the Browns are paying the consequences for doing that. So, well, I guess we'll see what. What uh, what the future looks like for them, but I don't think it's it's super bright at the moment. No, no. And last thing I want to talk about this, and then then we'll move on here, so we can kind of keep it semi short. We've talked about Lamar Jackson enough on the podcast. <clears throat> Hopefully, we talk about him much more in a good light. Um, look, now it's been a two year process of getting this deal. He's the highest paid player in per year money in the NFL. Now it's time to show that he was worth this deal. I want him to silence everyone, and I want a Super Bowl very very badly. That should yeah, be the, the club, aspirations. Dude. What did you say, man? Join the club. You yes. already got two of them. You can't. Uh, you can't be talking like that. You're, that you're is getting the, greedy. Well, okay. Don't. That's not my point. My point is, is that should be the aspirations right now. Is we need to win a Super Bowl. We have paid the quarterback. We're on the quarterback contract. 
Um, we got to pay a lot of money to him, and he's going to be owed a lot of money, and we're going to have to make other players are going to have to leave in order to make you know his money. Now, this year, they're in a good cap situation. They have cap money now. This year is really going to be an important year for the Baltimore Ravens organization. Um, and Ben, this is going to be the same thing that happens for Burrow happening next year, I believe, right? Next year, he'll be off his deal. Or no, no, excuse me, two years in two years. Yeah. Because this is his fourth year. Next year will be the uh, the extension year, the fifth mm-hmm. year extension. So in two years, the Bengals will be in the same situation where it's like, if they haven't won a Super Bowl at that point, it's like do or die time. Like we, This is us needing to win. And I, I, I have extreme confidence that Burrow will get a deal done with the Bengals and they'll be fine. And honestly, the Bengals are probably in a better position than the Ravens, if we're being honest, um, considering what they have done with Burrow, you know, getting two Super Bowl, uh, winning multiple playoff games with Burrow at this point uh, in multiple years. Um, so we'll see. It's do or die time. It's time for Lamar to win us a Super Bowl. We'll see how it goes. I hope he can get it done, and then he'll be worth every penny. But let's get to draft time um, because there's a lot to talk about, winners and losers. Um, I can go first if you want, Trevor, but I thought I'd throw it to you because I've talked for the last like six minutes. Yeah, so as far as, uh, well, I'll start with a winner because there's one that stood out to me and, you know, maybe it's only one pick again. I, I don't, I don't know too much about their other picks and some of these other players, I guess, but it seems like other people are saying that they, they think they had a good draft too. And that seems the Philadelphia Eagles. And the thing that stood out to me was obviously the Jalen Carter pick. Um, the guy who, you know, we've heard about some of the off field stuff and the concerns there. But if we're talking strictly talent, what we saw on tape from him at Georgia, Jalen Carter is at least um, a top three player in this draft class, in my opinion. For him to fall to nine, the Eagles get that trade with Chicago, who Chicago, I I think Bears fans are pretty upset that they didn't draft Jalen Carter themselves. But to me, the Eagles are a big winner, Um, a team that already obviously, you know, came very close to winning a Super Bowl, um, had a really good draft. I think um, I'm looking on Pro Football Focus. uh, They gave them an A-plus draft grade. So it seems like a lot of people think the Eagles um, did good, kind of validating my uh, instinct. So Eagles, that that is the winner that really stands out to me. There's a few others, but I, I wanted to mention the Eagles because they were already a really good team. Now you get a guy like Jalen Carter, who with his talent, I think he'll make an impact uh, his his rookie year. And the Eagles, I mean, I don't know. I think they probably have to be in this NFC, which is still a weaker conference. I think if I'm you know betting on a team to win the NFC, I think it's probably still the Eagles for me. Yeah, let's expand a little bit on this because I, I we'll talk about more other picks. The the trade back for the Bears to not get Jalen Carter does not make sense to me. The Eagles seemingly had a great deal in, in that area. Jalen Carter possibly would have been the number one pick uh, had there not been some you know craziness or maybe the number one non quarterback off the board because um, you know some stuff happening in, outside of football. Um, but uh, you know the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Oh my bad, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, have done a great job here, and they now have a full bulldog, uh, you know, defensive line here with Nolan Smith, who they got at thirty. Uh, you know, I, I Mel Kiper's a guy that I really like. He had Mel Kiper, or he had Nolan Smith way higher than thirty, so they got some great, great value there. You got Nolan Smith, you got Jordan Davis, which they got last year, who was an amazing, amazing player when he was not injured this previous season, and now Jalen Carter on the line. That is an absolutely stacked defensive line. They completely revamped. Um, which that was a, 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 a priority for the Eagles last year. They got a Dominican suit in the middle of the year, and they had a lot of really good players in that D-line that they couldn't re-sign this year. They just don't have the money. You know, you, you go to a Super Bowl, 
you know, Ben, you, you saw what just happened like with your Bengals. Like, stuff happens. You go to a Super Bowl, players want more money. It happens. And they completely revamped that D-line, got really, really young, and got really good talent on their D-line, made it a huge priority for them. Howie Roseman also got Kelly Ringo at 105. That is enormous value. People thought he'd be like a top 50 pick. Another Georgia Bulldog. And then a final Georgia Bulldog. They traded for DeAndre Swift from the Lions. So uh, five Georgia Bulldogs uh, they got here in the past two years, um, all of which I think will be impactful players right from the start. The Eagles are my number one winner uh, in this draft as well, Trevor. Awesome. Yeah, the Eagles were definitely one that stood out. Another team I think you probably wanted to talk about as well as the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Arizona Cardinals making that trade with the Texans uh, to trade down from pick number three got a lot of good value from it. Um, I don't know if you wanted to expand on that, but the Cardinals to me another winner for sure. Yeah, and I think there's kind of it's it's two pronged here. That the big two things that I think we got to talk about the with the Cardinals is like you said the trade. That trade was crazy. The value that they they picked up, and I was pleasantly surprised. Um, by what they were able to get done there. Uh, the Cardinals, they gave up the third pick, moved back to the 12th. They got the 33rd pick. They got a first-rounder next year, a third-rounder 24, um, and they also gave up a fourth-rounder. They essentially got three first-round picks because the 33rd overall pick is, just, I mean, it's pretty much the first-round pick. They essentially got three first-round picks for one, um, which is absolutely insane value. If I were the Cardinals, I'd be super happy. Um, before the draft, it was coming out that the Cardinals really wanted Paris Johnson. That's the player that they really wanted. Um, and there was reports that they would take him at three, and they got him at six. Um, so not only did they get the the, the, the player that they really wanted, um, but they also got a ton of picks for the future. Uh, they have a new GM. I'm, his last name is Austin Fort. I, I think I'm reading that correctly. Um, he had He did an excellent job in his first draft. He has a left tackle that can play on both sides of the ball, or uh, excuse me, on both sides of the line. Um, and I, I think that they had a, a relatively great draft. They got the guy they wanted, and they got dumb amount of picks down the road, um, trading back uh, to just get the guy that they already wanted. So really, really, really great job by the Cardinals. They, they definitely were a team that I wanted to talk about, Trevor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben, what, what kind of stands out to you? I mean, do you have uh, a winner that maybe we didn't mention uh, from the draft or even a loser? Because I'm looking through here and I'm having a hard time finding a loser that really stands out. But what do you think, Ben? Well, here, I'll give you a winner. And it's just because they had 10 picks, it's the Seahawks. Like you have 10 picks and you had two first round picks and then, and then the number 37 overall pick. So almost a, a third first rounder. Like, um, I mean, it's hard to be upset with, with 10 picks. And, like, it's not even – I mean, they had two first-rounders and two second-rounders. So, in terms of their haul, like, the Seahawks had an insane haul um, this draft. So, just looking through, like, obviously they got – I mean, they got Witherspoon, the number one DB off the board. And then they got Jackson Smith and Jigmo, which this time last year was considered the number one wide receiver off the board. And I guess he still is this year. But, um, I mean, the, I, I, I just can't get over the fact that they just – they had 10 picks. Like, 10 picks is insane. Um, and yeah, I mean, you got a, you got a bunch of six rounders and you got a seventh rounder in there or whatever, but, um, that's a lot of position pieces that even, even if just half of those pieces work out and they become starters, I mean, that's a, that's a large portion of your team that you just overturned, uh, with one draft. So anytime that you can get that many picks in a draft, you're, you're bound to hit on at least a few of them. Um, so I'm super impressed with what the Seahawks did, uh, this past weekend. Yeah. Let's expand on the Seahawks. I want to talk about their first four picks. 
um, because they made four excellent picks. I also want to talk about how they drafted three players that attend Michigan. Zach Charbonnet was at Michigan, Mike Morris, um, and there's no shot I'm going to mispronounce the center's last name who transferred from Virginia. That was gotten at pick 154. Um, but that's three Michigan players they got in this draft. Um, and uh, I, I think they had a great draft, too. Uh, Devon Witherspoon was, I thought, you know, pretty re- well regarded as the top corner in this draft. He seems super versatile corner out of Illinois. Jackson Smith and Jigwa, you touched on, um, one of the better receivers in this draft. Derek Hall, linebacker from Auburn, uh, who, as you Ben said, basically a first-round pick. He was projected to go like 25, so they got him later. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, um, going to be a wonderful backup and a wonderful kind of extra touch to um, um, Walker. I'm forgetting his name. The Michigan State guy, the running back. Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, thank you, Trevor. Uh, a nice little addition to Kenneth Walker. I thought the Seahawks did excellent. This is back-to-back drafts that the Seahawks absolutely killed. Uh, John Schneider did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, guys, you know, we talked about a lot of teams that did good stuff. Um, but, you know, eventually here we got to talk about some teams that didn't do as good as stuff. Um, and I'm going to start off here. I think this is – most people would say that these are the two teams that did some weird stuff. The The – the uh, Falcons and the Lions uh, with the early running backs. I never liked the early running backs. Um, and some people are like, you know, I, Trevor, I talked about this t- with you before the podcast. Some people are like, oh, the Lions were so surprising to take Gibbs when they had Swift. It seemed like there was rumors that they were going to move on from Swift before the draft. So, like, people wouldn't have been as shocked if they they moved Swift before the draft and then drafted Gibbs. So I think just like the timing, what they did, they're like, oh, this is a big surprise. But it didn't seem like they wanted to sign Swift long-term. He's injury history, final year of his deal. Doesn't seem like they wanted it. But it's more than just drafting Gibbs at 12. Jack Campbell was another pick. He was one of my favorite linebackers. I actually talked about how I wanted the Ravens to take him at the beginning of the the year. I was like, I hope the Ravens take him because they needed linebackers. But then the Ravens traded for Patrick Queen, uh, or Patrick Queen, excuse me, uh, Raquan Smith, and Raquan Smith is uh, just absolutely amazing. So Jack Campbell was projected to go in like the 40s range. Uh, they took him at 18, which seemed a little little too soon uh, in my opinion. So I just thought the, the Lions reached a lot and took positions that they didn't really need to take. Um, and, and then obviously traded away Swift. So that they have a good linebacking, or excuse me, running back core for sure. Um, the, the Falcons kind of in the same boat. Uh, I love B. John Robinson. I think he's going to be a, a great player, but r- taking running backs in the first round is just a waste. They don't last that long, um, and they're not worth big contracts. So, you know, it's kind of like you'll have a three-year running back, and running backs get hurt and stuff. So, I don't know. Not my favorite uh, drafts from either of those two teams. Um, Trevor, any teams that you thought didn't do the best job? Some some, some losers at the draft. Yeah, you know what? I, I have one, Brandon, and it's not for any reason – that actually uh, has any legitimacy. The only reason I'm going to say the Los Angeles Rams had a bad draft is because they drafted a player from Toledo, Deswan Johnson, Mr. Irrelevant. And yeah, I mean, it's fitting. Mr. Irrelevant comes from Toledo. So the Rams, they had a bad draft. And Trevor, I, I noticed this like a couple minutes ago. They had 14 picks. I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> it's wild. 14 picks. picks. Now, yes, like they were all, I mean, they only had three in the top 100, but like, the fact that they had 14 picks is ridiculous to me. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. Yeah, so yeah, it's the so Rams for me. One player I want to talk about is Zach Evans, who they got in the sixth round. Zach Evans was one of like the top prospects at running back um, and just didn't have a great career at Ole Miss. His final two was Mississippi and Michigan. Should have went to Michigan, but it's okay. I'm not butthurt, but look, he's a sixth-round pick, 
and not a top pick. So, is what it is. Um, but all right, I think we'll wrap up our draft, uh, you know, section. Ben, is there anything else you want to add in uh, on the draft? We could talk about the Bengals a little bit. They draft a lot of Michigan guys. They did, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, Brandon, they're they're like Michigan 2.0 now. They got a bunch of. They Michigan are. Guys There's a lot of Michigan. teams that are Michigan 2.0. Michigan had the third most drafted players in this draft. Behind. Isn't that crazy? You would you would think that they'd be able to win in college, but for whatever reason, they can't win in college. Well, they actually they've won a lot of games the past two years, including beating Z- Ohio State. Yeah, zero, I get a championship. Zero. Zero national championships, though. That's that's the way I know. Uh, only success. one team wins national championship. They've done really. Yeah, it's not Michigan. But look, that's not that's neither sure. here nor there. We don't talk about uh, Michigan today. What about a couple surprises from the draft? I mean, because I certainly, I mean, to me, the first one, uh, you kind of talked about the running back thing. The Lions taking the running back at twelve, um, and then I, I mean, we saw two running backs go in top fifteen, so that was certainly a surprise. And then Will Levis, obviously falling to the second round to the Titans. Those are. Those are those were two of the surprises. I was pretty shocked. Um, I was also kind of surprised Anthony Richardson was drafted fourth. I, I was a little surprised he was drafted that high. I know it seemed like the Colts were set on a quarterback, and I guess you know they opted for Richardson over Levis. But that was a little surprising for me. I didn't necessarily expect him to go that high. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. And I told you this before we we started. I really wasn't that surprised with how things went. Besides, Will Levis going late, I was surprised. Besides that, I wasn't that surprised. The Lions seemingly wanted to get rid of Swift, and I think I think they really wanted B. John Robinson, and they kind of missed out. They were like, oh, shoot, we need to get our running back because we want to move on from Swift. So they kind of like pulled the trigger there. Uh, Anthony Richardson at four, I think he was kind of projected to go to the Colts. It, it also seemed like the Colts really liked him for a long time. Uh, so I, I really don't think that was that surprising either. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think this was that surprising of a draft. I really don't. I, I wasn't that surprised with much. Um, you know, so Ben, do you have any, any surprises you saw here? I mean, Dalton Kincaid falling to whatever the bills were like 25 or 26. I mean, I, I did a lot of mock drafts. He was top 15 at every single mock draft I did, which again, doesn't mean anything because mock drafts are total just guesses. But, um, as, as highly as people were regarding him, I mean, they were comparing him to Travis Kelsey. The fact that he fell till 25, um, is insane to me. And yeah, there was a, I mean, there was a run of receivers right before him and he essentially is a receiver, but. Um, from everything I heard about that about him from Utah, like it's it seemed like he was guaranteed to be a top fifteen at the very least, like a top seventeen, eighteen pick. So I could not believe that that he got all the way to twenty five. I was I was honestly hoping he'd follow the Bengals. He was close. I couldn't believe it. Um, but I'm I'm super upset that the Bills got him because in, again, like in my opinion, and it seems like in a lot of people's opinions, they got a top fifteen pick at twenty five. I I'm actually I was confused why they took Kincaid, uh, because they just signed Dawson Knox to like a pretty lengthy deal. Um, I don't love Dawson Knox. Like, I think he's fine. Um, and Kincaid, like, would have worked in their offense, but I'm surprised they're keeping Knox, like, on this big deal and drafting a tight end. It just kind of seems like a weird thing to do. Uh, also, big L for us, because the, uh, uh, what's the BG player? What's the, the, the tight end that's on the, the Bills, Ben, who went to BG? Yeah, it's, um... Is it Sims? No, what's his name? No, I forget. I'm forgetting his he name. He scored a touchdown at one point this year, I remember. Um, yeah, he's probably getting cut. There's no way. Yeah, I, probably, no way probably not a lot of looks for him. <laughs> and anymore. we don't know his name, so that, that probably doesn't help his case. <laughs> it does not. I'll probably remember it, like, randomly while we're <laughs> yeah. just randomly here. But, all right, let's 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 move along here, past the draft, go over to the NBA playoffs, where we are officially done with the first round uh, of the playoffs, as last night we saw the Warriors beat the Kings. No lighting the beam anymore, unfortunately. Um, but, Trevor, where do you want to start in the NBA today? Yeah, so I think I think we could start in the East. Um, we are, you know, fully to the conference semis. 
And I'm excited for all four of these matchups. I mean, all four of them, I think theoretically, I mean, they could go either way. The Celtics-Sixers one I'm a little bit more confident in. Um, but the other three, I think, could all go seven games. I would not be surprised um, if any of those series went seven games. Even even Celtics-Sixers if Embiid comes back by game two. But we'll have to see on that one. Um, but I guess let's start. We can kind of quickly recap the heat Bucks series. I have to do it, guys. I have, I have to talk about this a little bit. Um, because... It all started immediately after our last podcast, where if yeah. if people if people are listening to this right now and you also listen to our last podcast where we explicitly all said the Bucks are not losing this series, the Bucks are gonna win it in six, they're gonna win the rest of the games, the Bucks are gonna win tonight. And the Heat <laughs> the Heat won the rest of the games. The Heat won in five games. They closed it out against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, despite the fact that Giannis had returned, they still won game four and game five. And game four, I mean, I was that game was just one of my, one of my favorite games I think I've watched. Uh, certainly my favorite game I've watched this season. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know how... This Miami Heat team, it's so weird. They were so just like uninspiring, so average all season. And now they want to turn it on for the playoffs. They're, you know, they're the eight seed. Jimmy Butler is somehow he raises his play um, to, you know, some heights that I, I just, I couldn't even believe it. We were watching game four after we finished the podcast. We were watching the end, the fourth quarter. And some of the shots he was hitting uh, it, it was nuts. He finished with 56 in that game. And you even saw contributions from other guys like Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin got the ball um, in the corner for a three and he just rose up. Giannis had his hand in his face, rose up, hit the three. I was like, what is going on? Since when does Caleb Martin just hit threes in with Giannis's hand in his face? When does this happen? It To me, that moment encapsulated what March Madness was. I was like, this is like March Madness right now. This is St. Peter's beating Kentucky. This is a 16 seed beating a one. I don't know what is happening right now. So I was very happy about that. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Butler at 56. They finish off the Bucks in five games. And there are only three players that have um, that have scored more points in the playoff game. This is a trivia question for you guys. I want to see if you guys know the three players that have scored more than 56 points in a playoff game. That's what Jimmy Butler had in game four. Do either of you guys know who the three players are? Oh. This, is, this is a trivia I question on the spot. One of them would be D- Damian Lillard. That is wrong. That's incorrect. Did Did Jordan ever drop 60 in a playoff game? Jordan, yep. Jordan has the most. He has 63. Him. Bird? Did Larry Bird ever do it? No, not Larry Bird. Kobe? Okay. These other two are a little bit tougher. Not it's not Kobe. Wilt. One of them Wilt. I will He's say one of it. them is a current player. The other one is a player who played a long time ago, back in the the nineteen sixties. Uh, Bill Russell. Bill Russell. No, I, I don't think you're gonna get that one. <laughs> to be honest, I, I have I have no. So idea. one of them you're gonna have to give it to us. One of them's Elgin. A current player. One of them's Elgin Baylor. He had sixty one okay. points for the Lakers in the sixties. Um, a top 25 player all time, in my opinion. And the other one is a player who did it in the bubble. Uh, he goes by the name of Donovan Mitchell. He had 57 um, in the playoffs a couple years ago. So those are the three. So so Jimmy Butler, he's tied with a couple other guys at 56. But the point is here, the, the Heat win it. 
I don't know. They shot really well. Obviously, yes, Giannis missed a couple games, but he came back and they still couldn't win a game. And the Bucks just kind of broke down in the last five, six minutes of both of those last two games, game four and game five. They broke down. Coach Bud did not get a, do a good job of adjusting. Obviously, the, the final shot in one of those games, he took Brooke Lopez out. Jimmy Butler hit the shot, um, and Lopez was not there to contest it. So a lot of errors by Coach Budenholzer. Obviously, you can look at Chris Middleton didn't play quite as well as you might expect. I think another part of this was Brooke Lopez, who has been such a good defender all season, but they play him in drop coverage. And when teams are hitting shots, they're hitting the open shots like the Heat were, then it's going to be tough. It's, it's, it's one of the flaws that Brooke Lopez has is that he's not a very good switchable defender. He's a very good rim protector. But as far as switching on to three-point shooters, guards, he's not, you know, it's 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 kind of an issue for the Bucs. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do now, um, where the Bucks go from here. Obviously, this is not what people expected. Many people, including myself, thought the Bucs were going to win a title. So I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. But Brandon, I want to get some of your thoughts here because you were very adamant that the Bucks, there's no way the Bucks were going to lose this series. Um, so I don't what, remember saying that. You you said it. it I, it's on tape. No, I, I think I picked. I'm pretty sure I picked the Heat in five. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, I was like, Jimmy Butler's great. Uh, it's your favorite team. I gotta pick them. I'm pretty sure. I mean, maybe someone can like send me the link, but I don't really remember. It's not like we have a recorder or anything, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I was pretty adamant about the Bucks winning. Um, they did not, and. Uh, I, I mean, obviously Giannis was hurt. That hurts uh, them for sure. But also, Jimmy Butler seems to be just an unstoppable force. Uh, and he was absolutely insane in many games in that series. And the Heat took it, which I, I'm telling you, I was very, very surprised. Like, stunned that this happened. Yeah, I mean, because that's... The other question I had was, like, how I mentioned, like, Jimmy Butler, the way he raises his play in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like he was bad in the regular season. He was he was solid. He might be on, like, third-team All-NBA. He was solid. But but it's clear that there's some sort of, like, I'm going to reserve my best play for the playoffs, you know? And I don't know... I mean, obviously, the greatest players, yes. The greatest players raise their play. LeBron raised his play. Michael Jordan raised his play in the playoffs. But they were also... One of the, I mean, they were also the best player in the regular season too, many years. So I'm I'm trying to figure out like what other players have done this in the NBA or even we can we can compare this to the NFL. When does this happen where a player raises their play like Jimmy Butler did in the playoffs? I can't think of a good example to be honest. Actually, you know what, Brandon, I have one that you might like, and I don't know if you agree with this, mm-hmm. but I was going to mention Joe Flacco. I think he actually had a little bit of this, not to the extent of Jimmy Butler, but Joe Flacco had. A lot of really good playoff games, I thought, where it kind of seemed like he definitely raised his play. But I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Any players? You can go NBA. You can go NFL. Where has this happened where a player raises their play this much? I I don't know if there's many. Flacco's a good shout because, I mean, when they won the Super Bowl, he was just flawless. Uh, in the, I mean, he, he had like 12 touchdowns. Eli Manning? Four games. Uh, no, I feel like Eli Manning, I mean, I don't know. The thing is, is like both the quarterbacks you named, they aren't like great quarterbacks, but they're both like solid. Like they're not bad quarterbacks. So like they have the ability to like every once in a while do, you know, good. Like they showed that in regular season games too. 
I don't know if there's anything quite like what we saw with Jimmy this weekend. That was crazy. Or not this weekend, excuse me, this past series. I, it was such a unique experience watching him drop. I mean, just it just seemed like he couldn't miss uh, this entire series. So I don't know if I if I could you know pinpoint one you know person or player and that you know whether it's basketball or another sport that quite has done what he's done. Maybe LeBron because LeBron's like the greatest athlete of all time, and LeBron seems to elevate his performance every time he touches the ball. Um, but he's but already so good. Be the closest one. Yeah. I agree, and then when he touches the basketball, he somehow gets better. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely tough, though. Is that I, crazy, Ben? I feel like that's that's normal, right? Just for LeBron, it's normal. Every time he touches the ball, he seems to get better. Don't you think so, Ben? Um, sure, I guess. All right, good, good, <laughs> I mean, good, I'm, good I'm, analysis. I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to be unbiased. Like, I don't, he's not that, like, he's good now. He's not, like, amazing anymore, I feel Okay, like. that's a dumb take. Trevor, yeah. what, what are we, what, what's next here? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the Knicks-Cavs thing, we, we talked about it, and it was already teetering on can, can being I, pretty hold much on. over. I do want to talk about this, actually. Yeah. I want to talk about this, because I called this series. Yeah, you were you, you were relatively close, yes. You. What do you... I called it in five. I said Knicks in five. You said Knicks in six, but you were... You were oh, close. I did originally say Knicks in six, but then I said the Knicks were going to close it out in five. You did. You did. That's true. I did. I called this, because the Cavs are not that great. They don't have that guy. And well, the Knicks have Jalen Brunson, it's... who... I, we should also talk about this. The Mavs had the biggest blunder, I think, of all time, getting rid of Brunson. He's insanely good. He's crazy good. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. So that I mean. Go ahead. I just I called it. That, that's it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's it. it. You called it. That's it. Okay. That's it. I called it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I obviously, I put, I put my thoughts out on Twitter. If anyone wants to go, go check out um on the Nixon Cavs. Plug your Twitter, Trevor. What's your at? Plug it. My at, I think, I think it's Trevor Reddick twelve. I think. Um. So yeah, you, you can go check that out there. I, I don't want to say too much about the Cavs Nick series. I mean. The, the Knicks played really well, obviously. You know, Tom Thibodeau definitely, I think, has flipped the script on, you know, people talking about him as not being that great of a coach anymore. He did a really good job in this series. Certainly outcoached J.B. Bickerstaff. Um, I think it was a tough series for J.B. Bickerstaff. You know, I, I think the adjustments are tough. Again, part of it is just the personnel because the depth on this Cavs team clearly was outmatched by the Knicks. I mean, Josh Hart, what he did in the series was awesome. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, I mean, the rebounds, having 18 rebounds in that game five, it kind of seemed like to me a little bit that that the Cavs, I don't want to say they completely gave up in game five, but when you give up 18 rebounds to a guy, this is a close-up game, it, it just did not, it didn't look good. I, I was just, I don't know. It did not look good. Cavs fans were probably, I would imagine, the couple I've talked to, very disappointed about how that one ended. But with the Cavs, I mean, as far as their issues, like, it's a few different things. It's, yes, we can call out J.B. Bickerstaff because he, he could have done a better job of adjusting. Sure, that's one thing we can talk about. We can talk about how they gave up so many offensive rebounds, in particular to Mitchell Robinson. And we can, yes, we can put some blame on Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Sure. But I, I think people have... I don't know. I think people are really going out of their way to like kill Jared Allen for this. And I think it's not just him. I, I think it's a team effort when we talk about rebounding, especially long rebounds. You know, Put some blame on Karis LeVert, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. All these guys can rebound too. I mean, why, why are these guys only having you know one, two, three rebounds a game? They can help out as far as that goes too. 
But it also comes back to the wing thing. Like, they don't have a guy who can stretch the floor in the wing. Karis LeVert had one good game. Okay, he had one good game, but you need to win four games to win a series. So that's a big problem. Like, I get that Donovan Mitchell, he could have had a better series, sure. But it's kind of hard when there's no spacing. The team is able to cram the paint because you don't have shooting. I mean, Jaron Allen cannot... You know, he can't shoot the ball. He's going to be a rim-running big. He's going to be a shot blocker. Evan Mobley, still young, developing his offensive game. And then when you have Jetty Osman or Isaac Okoro or Karis LeVert giving you absolutely nothing on offense, which is what they did most of the games besides Karis LeVert's one, maybe one and a half good games, it's going to be hard for Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell when they are the only people that are scoring threats on the floor. So... I think that's what really the biggest reason. And then obviously the offensive rebounds, you know, which we didn't anticipate that happening. But the wing problem, it's been an issue all year. It continues to be. So we'll see if they get fixed. Obviously, I don't believe the Cavs have any picks that they could use in a trade. So that's another issue they got to deal with. I don't know. I think if you're the Cavs, you have to bank on Evan Mobley developing more offensively. Maybe you consider, I don't know if you do it this offseason, but I would understand people saying that a coaching change might be necessary. I, I just don't know. If you're going to do a coaching change, you need to have a, a ready alternative. And I don't know who that alternative would be. J.B. Bickerstaff, he's not that great. He's fine. But maybe you do need a better coach. So we'll see what the Cavs do. But again, they're still a young team. I think there are a few teams like the Cavs. The Kings are sort of like this situation. The Grizzlies sort like young teams that it's like they're in this position where they're they're really solid they certainly can make the playoffs but it's like how do they now get no get over the hump is it just you know internal is it just development of the players do they need another piece they all have a really good like fringe superstar like Donovan Mitchell De'Aaron Fox John Morant they're all like fringe superstars. They're not quite there. They're in that. They're not quite in the top 10. They're in the next tier. Can they develop into that next tier? Or do those teams need to add someone else? Or does Evan Mobley need to become Kevin Garnett? I don't know. There's a bunch of different things, but that's kind of my take on that series. Um, but I don't know. Ben, do you have any thoughts on this Knicks Cavs series? Or did you want to get into talking about uh, the Heat Knicks series, which I think is going to be a very fun and uh just physical series well i mean it, it, it what applies to the to nick's Cavs also applies to to nick's heat trevor and that's i mean there's ain't no stopping obi Toppin. like i mean it's just simple as that like he's i mean he's he's good he's good for he's good for like i don't know three points a game like he's gonna give you a windmill dunk and then he's gonna do nothing the rest of the game um and that's electrifying to a point where it's just impossible to beat them unless you have jimmy butler in your team <laughs> Um, but even then, Trevor, I'm confident in my Knicks, so I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the the Knicks were the better team against the Cavs. We'll see. I mean, obviously, even I mean, game one, Trevor, of this of 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 the second round series with the Knicks and the Heat. Like, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I watched a little bit of it. And it seemed like for a large portion of the game, the Knicks were the better team. Um, and then just down down the stretch, obviously, the Heat the Heat played better in the last six minutes or so. Um, even with Jimmy Butler not at 100%. So that's a scary sight for me, at the very least, rooting for the Knicks, where Jimmy Butler was not 100% the, you know, the final stretch of that game, and they were still able to find a way to win. So, um, I mean, every, everything you said about Jimmy Butler is true. Like, he's just a cheat code, and, and it's very scary for me rooting against him because I like him, and he's fun to watch. But, I mean, somebody's got to find a way to stop him. And as of 
the last couple of years in the playoffs, it, it's it's been hard to find an answer to him. So we'll see. I mean, I'm confident in Obi Toppin, but yeah, put Obi Toppin on him. That's that's the that's the answer, Trevor. I just answered it myself. Oh jeez. You put Obi Toppin <laughs> on on Jimmy Butler. All right, Obi Toppin is known for his defense since I don't know <laughs> never. Um, you put Obi Toppin on on Jimmy Butler, and I don't know. Jimmy Butler's probably only scoring maybe four points, six points a game. I mean, that's just an easy answer. That's Obi Toppin can do it all. Yeah, I mean, Obi Toppin can, can do it all. This the, my take is is about half as bad as what Brandon LeBron's takes are usually. So ah, just, um, that was it is what it is. But but um, realistically speaking, I'm I'm very worried because if if Jimmy Butler continues to do what Jimmy Butler does, then I don't think the Knicks have much of a chance. Even though I think they have a better roster overall. Uh, well, I, well, I hope Tom Thibodeau is listening to this podcast because I really hope that Obi Toppin is is He's not. given the assignment of guarding Jimmy Butler. I would I would love that. He Tom Thibodeau knows I hate him. He'll never listen to me. There's no way. <laughs> Even though he should, because I know more about basketball than he does, clearly, because he doesn't play Obi Toppin 48 minutes a game like I would. Yeah. I will say, Obi Toppin, I mean, the box score says he had a pretty decent game. He had 18 points, uh, you know, pretty notable, hit four threes, eight rebounds. So pr- pretty solid for Obi in yeah, game it's crazy. one. We like it's to see that. Crazy. They give him the start, they give him starters minutes, and he actually he looks pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, and I will say, like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not like a huge stat guy, but his plus minus is usually pretty solid because the lineup that they have with him, um, at least like the one, the the last Cavs game I watched, kind of down the stretch, I think it was maybe game five or something, where they kind of rolled down the stretch. You put, I mean, you put him with, if they had him out there, and then they had Barrett out there, and they had Jalen Brunson and, and Josh Hart and someone else, but it was, I mean, it's a solid lineup. They, I mean, the Knicks, I've said this before, but like, they have so much potential and they're so fun to watch. Um, and they have a lot of weapons if they're if they're rolling the way that they can be rolling. So I absolutely think that this will be a series. But I mean, Jimmy Butler, it, lo- it seems like is going to continue to be the best player in the series. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the series is going seven. Um, I'll I'll, I'll be too. honest. I agree, actually, I'll be honest. My prediction for this series before the series was Nixon seven. Um, now, I mean, the Heat winning game one when you win one when you steal one of the road games. It certainly the odds. Well, the odds are now in the Heat's favor, which I think is appropriate, even if it's only slight. But I don't know. I, I think either way, the series is going seven, most likely, and it's going to be a battle. I'm just excited to watch all the games because I totally agree. The Knicks are a lot of fun to watch. Um, Julius Randle did not play in Game One. He's questionable for Game Two. Um, now in the Cavs series, I don't really think he had much of a difference. Um, maybe in this series, he'll be more impactful against Miami. Um, but I'm not sure. I mean, with with the Heat in Game One, it was unsung heroes. I mean, Kevin Love throwing outlet passes, uh, hit a couple shots. He had a good game, a really good stretch there. Uh, Gabe Vincent, 20 points, five threes. So unsung heroes. That's that's kind of what it was in Game One for the Heat uh, with Jimmy Butler's rolled ankle um, and, and obviously the injury. We're gonna have to keep monitoring that with Jimmy, um, just like you know the injury with Julius Randle. Uh, says a rolled ankle. Jimmy Butler certainly is acting like it's no issue at all. So I don't know that guy. I mean, he, he probably would play through anything. So I, I don't expect him to miss game two. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the heat will just say like strategy purposes. Like we got one in New York. Let's rest Jimmy Butler, get him ready for the game three and four in Miami. As long we just got one, we got our game. We could do that. Maybe they'll do that. I don't really see, I don't know, I, it's hard for me to see that being the strategy. That's more like the Bucks. that's more like the Coach Budenholzer strategy where you let Giannis sit an extra game and that kind of costs you. I don't think Spolster will do that. And Even if he wanted to do that, I don't know if Jimmy Butler is going to let him. Um, he might uh, MF him 
if Spolster tries to say that he should sit game two. So I expect him to play. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a very fun series. Um, Brandon, do you, do you have a prediction for this one, this Knicks uh, Heat series? Um, <clears throat> so we already have the Heat taking a game. You know, I like the Knicks. Um, I, I was impressed with them uh, against the Cavs. But Trevor, I'm going to agree with you. I think the Heat... Well, I don't know if you're picking the Heat, but I do think it's going to go to seven, which I agree with you in that. But I'm going to take the Heat in seven. I That's think it's still another series. Yeah. And continue I'm, their run. I'm sticking with Knicks in seven, and that is that is actually what I believe. <laughs> it's actually what I believe, Knicks in seven. Uh, ben, what's your prediction? I'll go Knicks in seven as well, Trevor. I, th- I think I mean, after watching game one, I think it'll, it'll go deep, and I got to pick the Knicks, so I don't think Knicks will win in six. So I'll, I'll say Knicks in seven. All right, cool. So two Knicks, one Heat. Uh, let's move on to Celtic Sixers. Um, Sixers, obviously Embiid, he's out. This game just started at game one. Embiid's out in game one. I don't know what his status will be in game two. Obviously, Shams Charania has been, you know, consistently providing updates. I have the notifications on. But certainly uh, was upset when he spoiled that Bryce Young was the number one draft pick was was Shams. I was not happy with you, and you spoiled that for me. But but I still I still love you, Shams. So uh, Shams, you know he's breaking all the updates. We'll see with Embiid. But I think this is a bad matchup for the Sixers, regardless. The Celtics they've kind of owned the Sixers over the years. Uh, their last two playoff matchups at least beat them pretty easily. Um, and I have the Celtics winning this one in six. Um, I know there were a couple games where it seemed like they were taking their foot off the gas against Atlanta. They dropped two. But I think they'll be a little more locked in. I have Celtics in six. Um, ben, wh- what's your prediction on the series? Celtics-Sixers. I mean, uh, Joel Embiid being hurt, obviously out game one. I think Celtics win this one. I mean, I, I think they're hoping he's back game two, but it's, I think there's no guarantee he's back game two. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take a guess and say he doesn't play game two. I think they'll try everything they can to get him to play, but I, I don't know anything about his injury. I'm just kind of going off vibes here. So I'll say he's out game two. Um, and because of that, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Celtics in five. I don't want to go Celtics in six. It's definitely not going seven. So I'll say Celtics in five. Awesome. Uh, Brandon, what, what do you think? All right, this one's going to be tough, too. Right now, the game, just the first quarter ended. Celtics are up by seven. Um, I like the Celtics in this one, too. Um, what did you, t- you took them in five, Ben? Yeah. I'm going to go bold. You know, I'm going to go bold here. I'm saying Celtics do with a sweep. A sweep? Celtics in four. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm, call- I'm going bold. I'm going bold. All right. All right, so Celtics. Mainly because I don't want to agree with Ben. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if, if I didn't say Celtics in five, is that what you, what you would have said? No, I would have said Celtics in four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, if anyone's curious, uh, apparently Joel Embiid, he underwent, I, don't, I have no idea what this means, underwent platelet-rich plasma treatment on his injured knee as part of his recovery process. No idea what that means. Um, Nobody knows what that means. Yeah. It just means he's, he's not playing. Yeah, so he's That's not playing. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. Hopefully he gets healthy soon. Uh, but yeah, it's it's Celtics for all three of us. Um, let's move on to the Western Conference. Um, two incredible series. I'm so excited about both of these. Uh, we did get game one of Nuggets Suns. The Nuggets did win it um, by a score of as soon as ESPN. I think it was 120. Yeah, 125 to 107. 
The Nuggets won this. Jamal Murray, he is back. Jamal Murray's back. He had 34 points, 9 assists. He was he looked like Jamal Murray. He looked like himself. The the guy that we saw in the playoffs a couple of years ago when he was lighting it up in the bubble, obviously had uh, a really bad injury uh last season and now he's, you know, he he's gotten the rust off that he had a little bit in the regular season. He had a really good game uh in game 1. So the Nuggets take it. This game really wasn't super close. Um before the series, I predicted Nuggets in seven. So, you know, I have no reason to to change that prediction. It's Nuggets in seven for me. Uh, my concerns with Phoenix, uh, number one, their defense. I mean, they gave up over, I think, I think the Clippers without Kawhi and Paul George for most of those games averaged like over 120 points. So like, I'm concerned about the defense for sure. I'm concerned about their depth. Obviously, yes, they have Durant, they have Booker. Yeah, you have eight and Chris Paul, but after that, you start looking at, I mean, a Kogi's in there as the fifth guy. You have you look at the bench. It's not that great, so I'm worried about that. And also, Booker and Durant, you have to play these guys so many minutes. I mean, Durant at least was able to get some rest in part because the game wasn't super close. He, he played 36. But if a lot of these games are close, Durant and Booker are going to play 42, 43, 44 minutes in all of these games. And that's not great. It makes it uh, increases the risk of injury, and just in general, uh, they're going to be more tired. You know, so it's it's not great. Don't love it for the Suns. I get that Denver has some concerns on defense. Um, sometimes some of these role players, I think people are still worried. Like, yes, Jamal Murray had a game, good game one. Is he going to continue mm-hmm. that level of play? Um, I, I kind of think he is, to be honest. So I'm I'm liking how the Nuggets have been playing. I have Nuggets in seven. Uh, Brandon, what do you think? Um, all right, Nuggets, Suns. This one's gonna be interesting. Um, I, I, you know, the Suns in their first series, Trevor, they didn't really impress, right? Like they, I mean, they won, but did they impress? I don't know. No, right? they beat Russell Westbrook. That's pretty impressive to me. Yeah, no, that's not impressive. <laughs> so, I think. You know, I'm still on the Suns bandwagon. I'm going to take the Suns in seven. I'm going to call the upset here. I'm going bold with my predictions today. They're not going to start a good basketball team, but Kevin Durant, Trevor, we talked about Kevin Durant earlier today. I think Kevin Durant takes this series, and uh, the Suns win in seven. All right. Ben, what do you think? So, Brandon went Suns in seven. Trevor, you said Nuggets in seven Nugget, or what? Nuggets in nuggets, seven. right? <sighs> okay, I want to pick the Nuggets. I can't go Nuggets in seven. Then I'll, I'll go bold. I'll go Nuggets in six. <laughs> Um, I just can't. I can't root for Chris Paul. I can't do it. I can't root for him and Kevin Durant on the same team. Um, I I like Devin Booker though, so I have no issue rooting for him. But I, I I can't root for Chris Paul. I can't do it. He he's he's just he's just known to fall apart in the playoffs. He'll do something to lose him a game, um, or he'll get hurt, or he'll take someone at someone's legs out to, again like he did in Game One. Um, so I'll I'll take I'll take the Nuggets in in six again. I I will continue to support Jokic just because. Every time you see a picture of him from when he was like 12 years old, he looks like the most unathletic kid in the world. So he's just defying all odds. Um, and I respect that. He he is, honestly, he might be the greatest basketball player of all time just based off of that picture. Because I, I bet when LeBron was 12 years old, he looked like a basketball player. Jokic at 12 years old looks looks like the most unathletic person I've ever seen in my life. So um, I will continue to support him until he plays LeBron, hopefully next round in, in the playoffs. Um, so I'll, I'll, say, I'll say Nuggets and Six just because I don't want to agree with Trevor. Yeah, uh, this series, I'm, I'm super excited for the rest of these games. We have Game 2 tonight. Um, if you're listening to this, you've already seen you know what happens in Game 2. So it's going to be super interesting. Um, final series we have here, which 
I want to I want to quickly talk like recap a little bit of the first round series because these ones were pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. But we have Lakers Warriors setting up, which is obviously uh, the matchup that a lot of people wanted. Certainly ESPN wanted it. Yeah, certainly the media wanted it. So Lakers Warriors, we get it. We get LeBron. We get Steph. Um, it's gonna be fun. I wanted to quickly just mention uh, the Lakers Grizzly series. Um, the Lakers deadline moves, you know, paying off. I mean, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, I think in, uh, I forget if it was game six or game five, uh, or no, it definitely wasn't game five. Um, I think it was game six. D'Angelo Russell had 31 points in game six. I think there was a period where he hit three threes in a row. So D'Angelo Russell, you know, I've been a little bit of a doubter. I haven't liked how he played in the regular season. And just in general, the past couple seasons, he's not a very good defender. It's kind of, you know, an up and down as far as shooting the ball. But he's been a really solid, um, or he's played really solid in the playoffs, you know, at the very least so far. So we'll see if that continues in the next series. But D'Angelo Russell playing well in the first series. Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves. Um, you know, so Jared Vanderbilt. So they're getting contributions from a lot of these role players here, which is pretty, a little surprising to me. I, I, I certainly did not expect the role players to be that good. So I don't know if we should apologize, um, to the Lakers and Rob Palinka. Um, I, I don't know if that's necessary, but good job by them. Uh, good job by them. They move on and the Grizzlies. They fall short. Obviously part of it's because of injuries, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, yes, they were hurt. John Morant was a little injured in the first like couple games. But the Grizzlies, I mean, this was a team that back in like December, early January, I thought, to be honest, I thought they were going to make the finals. I was looking at their team, looking at their roster. They have all this depth. John Morant, I, I thought they were probably the best team in the West, and obviously that didn't pan out in part because of the injuries, but also in part to, I mean, first of all, like Dylan Brooks and all this nonsense and him trash talking i i get a lot of people are gonna think that you know it has no bearing but when you go out of your way to trash talk someone and you uh do what dylan brooks did acting like oh lebron he's got to prove to me that he's great that usually does not work out for you i mean and this is this is anti the patriot way the memphis grizzlies are anti the patriot way and the patriot way is pretty successful it's a pretty successful philosophy bill bill belichick um, if he was the coach of the Grizzlies, uh, believe me, Dylan Brooks would be running some uh, stadiums. You know, I, I don't know what what kind of workouts he'd be doing, uh, but it would not be good for Dylan Brooks if Bill Belichick was the coach of this team. So that's not good. Uh, the Bro- uh, the Grizzlies in general, I don't know. I, just the vibes are not there with the Grizzlies. It seems like they need a little bit of a culture shift. And I think John Morant. I think there's some questions with him. Obviously, he's very, you know, entertaining. He's fun to watch. But when you're putting your, I mean, he just goes and he jumps and he just flies through the air. And you get so worried because every time he comes down, he falls. At any point, you're just like worried. You're just like, please, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. And he just, I I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried about it. I'm not going to lie. Because some of the. Some of the plays he makes are, are crazy, and it's entertaining, and I love watching him play, but it's something to be worried about um, for sure with the Grizzlies. So we'll see going forward. But, uh, Brandon, any thoughts on this Lakers-Grizzlies series? Obviously, yes, Le- LeBron, you love LeBron, we get it, but any thoughts on the series? 
Um, not not too too much. I think you kind of said it best. I mean, the Lakers just they made good moves at the deadline, and they're kind of paying off now. I mean, beating the Grizzlies is not a little feat. I know John Moran. John Moran only missed one game, and he missed two. Uh, I think it was really just like the one. Um, I think game two he missed. Um, it was like a game and a half of me, basically. Gotcha. Well, I mean, nevertheless, this you know final game here was really a slam dunk on the the whole series winning by 40 points. So, I mean, the Lakers look impressive. I'm excited to see what they can do against the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with that, we can kind of transition quickly. Warriors-Kings, it went seven. The Kings fall short. Obviously, Steph Curry has the 50-piece, which surprised me. Most points in a game seven ever, Steph Curry with 50. So, uh, another another thing he can add to his legacy. Um, Steph Curry, I, I, I said to you earlier, Brendan, I think Steph Curry is like playing the best. He's pretty much, well, besides last year, cause last year in the finals, he had to me his best series in that finals, but he's pretty much the best he's ever been essentially. I mean, he's still really good. The problem now for him is he's always had great teams around him. This year, the team around him is not that great. It really isn't. Uh, Clay Thompson, not the same defender. Still a capable shooter certain nights, although he didn't have a good Game 7. Andrew Wiggins still working his way back after the injury. Um, Draymond Green, clearly not the same player he was back in you know 2016-2017. Uh, he's not even a threat to score at all anymore. Kevon Looney had a couple good games, so he's solid, but... This Warriors team, not quite what it has been in the past. Um, obviously, when they were certainly not when they had Kevin Durant. But just in general, it's not even comparable to... It's not comparable to last year's team. It's not comparable to the 2015 or certainly not the 2016 team. So it's going to be tougher. Steph has to carry the load a little bit more, similar to how he did in some of those games last year um, in order yeah. for the Warriors to have a chance here. So it's going to be tough. But I'm excited to watch this Lakers-Warriors series. I... I, I, I gotta be honest, like, I, 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 as we're talking, I still don't know who I'm gonna pick, so I'm, I'm gonna let you guys go first. Uh, ben, who, who do you think's gonna win this Lakers-Warriors series? Man, this is so tough. Um, I will say, Trevor, earlier you said that this is the matchup everyone wanted. I did not want this matchup, because I can't afford to watch LeBron lose to Steph Curry again, and I think, I think the Warriors will win. Um, I'm just I'm so over it in the Warriors. Like I think people are less threatened by them this year because they're the sixth seed, but they're still the Warriors, and I still think they're just as good as they've been. Um, obviously, Steph Curry is, is still has the potential to to drop a, a billion points if he feels like it. So um, I'm very threatened by them. I think they'll win. Um, I'll say Warriors in in six. I think the Lakers obviously will will get a, a couple wins, but I I just think yeah the Lakers have a lot of good role players and they do. Um, but if you're comparing Lakers role players to the, the, the Warriors and, and what they have with Steph and Clay and, and Draymond, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence that they can keep up, not in the seven game series at the very least, maybe, maybe a couple games. Yeah. Um, but obviously in these seven game series, the, the better team typically will win. And I think the Warriors have just have a better roster overall. So I'll pick the Warriors. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. I, I hope LeBron plays well. Um, because I, I really, I don't want to do a, another year of, of Steph Curry getting all this praise and, and, and him having or uh, and LeBron having to watch it all happen. So I'll, I'll say Warriors in six. I hope I'm wrong, but that's just the way I'm feeling. Brian, um, yeah. Look, this, this is an easy prediction. This is a Lakers in four type series, but I like it. because I know people I get scared it. about the four series, you know, in four number, I'm going to say Lakers in five. 
And, uh, you know, some people are like, oh, Brandon's, you know, there's just gas and LeBron. Um, and that's true. Look, one team has LeBron James and one doesn't. It's so, it's yeah, just that easy. Enough. The Lakers are going to win a lot of series from here on out. Uh, in fact, I think they'll win roughly three more series. Um, and uh, they're going to they're gonna take it home um, this year. I'm betting on the Lake. Well, not actually betting. Don't, don't come to me for, for betting advice. I wouldn't do that. But... LeBron's going to win this series. He's the better player. He's the best player in this series, the best player in the world. Lakers in five, calling it here. I, I respect that, Brandon, for a couple of reasons. One, you just you just got to take LeBron, of course. I mean, there, there's people Naturally. getting paid a lot of money to be on TV that, that for whatever reason, just don't do that. And it yep. seems like, like I mean, you didn't you? either, so. Well, I'm not getting paid a lot of money on TV to do it. Um, and I'm trying to reverse jinx it here, Brandon. Haven't you, picked, haven't you figured that out? But we um, don't do that anymore on the podcast. We already said we're I, not doing that. I will that. always. Uh, you can you can say that. Yeah, we're, we're not doing that anymore, Ben. We're not reverse jinxing. I, I I promise you, I will continue. <laughs> no to more do reverse jinxing. Uh, I'm just calling it how it is. Lakers in five. You know, I'm other, changing my yeah, prediction. Lakers well, in four. <laughs> so what I'm I was kidding, getting I'm at not. my I, Lakers my in other five. my it's other Lakers in five. What I respect that you did is you essentially predicted Lakers in four or five. So if either one's happened, you're going to say you're right, which I respect. You're basically <laughs> just doubling your chances of being right. I respect it. I mean, I, Brandon, I know who you are. Like, I'm going to be honest, you're, you're, you're saying, I think it's Lakers in four, but you're not. But you're like, I don't want to say that. So I'm He's going to be honest. He actually so thinks either the Lakers are going to win in six. Well, if either one ha- if either one of those happens, you're gonna claim you were right, and you're gonna say it on the podcast. So I'm I, I'm giving you credit. It's a smart move. I, I respect. Ben, that. I'm being honest. Move. I didn't even think about that, like genuinely. But you are right. I am gonna do that. It's like if you had a multiple choice question, and you're like, "Well, I think it's A, B, or C," and you get any if any of those are right, you're like, "Oh, well, I knew it. I, I was right." Like I respect it. I do. I I might I very well might do that. I might do that. All right, Trevor. Let's hear your prediction on the series. Ah, uh, yeah, it, it's so tough. I I think this is the first time in their careers where they they matched up where Steph Curry was a better player than LeBron and I do think Steph Curry is a better player than LeBron currently <laughs> currently right now as oh, we speak no, Trevor what a May, dumb you thing to say. May 1st Trevor, you 2023 I think Steph Curry is a better player than LeBron <laughs> James Trevor you live with Brandon you you got to watch yourself dude you got to be careful what you say around <laughs> that's him. the dumbest thing i've ever heard knows where you sleep uh, dude um I'm taking the Warriors. I'm taking. It's gonna be. I'm Trevor, it's gonna be like 2065, and I'm gonna be like LeBron's the best player alive. It's just as simple <laughs> as that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm taking the Warriors. I'm gonna take the Warriors in seven games. Uh, I think this is gonna be an awesome series. I think it's gonna live up to the hype. But I don't know that. I know the depth was so good for the Lakers and that series. I don't know. I think it might have been a little fluky. I'm not sure. I'm still. I'm still having a hard time trusting D'Angelo Russell. I'm still having a hard time uh, trusting Rory Trevor, Hachimura here. Let me break here. it down for you, though. Uh, so Warriors and seven for me. You you don't need to trust D'Angelo Russell because uh, one of the teams has LeBron to. James. <laughs> one of the teams has LeBron. Well, LeBron James. LeBron wasn't exactly incredible in that Memphis series. I mean, his his you're right. Teammates, he wasn't incredible. He was actually stupendous. I think he got bailed he was, out he was, uh, more than I incredible. think. I think LeBron got bailed out in a couple of those games. I don't know. Yeah, Brent, Brent, I think the real question is, is, is LeBron holding the Lakers back? I think that's a take that. <laughs> All right, that enough, of this, enough of this. Someone said that. Sorry, any- Wait, so, someone <laughs> said that on, on TV. On sp- <laughs> No one said that. No one, said I, that. no one said that ever. In I fact, swear no one's ever even that. thought that thought. Uh, Trevor, is there any other NBA-related topics you want to continue on uh, before we wrap up the pod for today? 
Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just very excited. I mean, all four of these series, even, I mean, Celtic Sixers, I guess, is the least interesting one, because I think Celtics are going to win relatively easily. Well, But the other three are all awesome, so I'm very excited to watch a lot of basketball. Trevor, I, I would argue that Knicks and, and Heat is the is the worst of, of the two, or of the four, just because no. their, their seeds are not good. But it'll be more competitive, but, uh, no, no, it, Ben. It's going to be a competitive I, series. I'm, I'm just, I'm Trevor, I'm just argue based on, I mean, it's an eight seed versus a five seed. I'm just, based on I'm the seedings. Yeah, I, I guess you can argue that, which is another interesting thing. We have all, like, all of the eight seeds are, uh, like, we, like, are represented, if you get what I'm saying. Like, we have yeah. a one seed, a two yeah. seed, like, we have every seed left. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Yep. That is neat. All right, well, I think we'll uh, wrap up the pod there for today. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Um, of course, go check out our website, thesmallballers.com. Keep up to date with all of our podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at the Baller. Uh Subscribe to the podcast and leave five star review if you enjoyed. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.